Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians discuss car topics from a perspective you won't find anywhere else. My name is Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. And my co-host is trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, who has not only operated on countless car crash victims, but has also published research on car safety. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I am Steve Schutz, and I'm here with my co-host, trauma surgeon Stefan Moran. Stefan, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? It's uh, lake weather here in Alabama, so I'm excited. Yeah, we uh, are enjoying a beautiful day in uh, Boise, Idaho, but let's see, Monday, which would have been the day after Mother's Day, we got two inches of snow, and they got 18 inches up <laughs> in, the, in the mountains. It's, it's crazy. I suppose that is crazy. Is it all melted by now, I hope? Yeah, everything down here melted the same day. The mountains, most of it's melted. And, you know, it's good. We've been, we've been having a drought out in the West, but it is surreal to wake up the day after Mother's Day, open the curtains and see snow. It's like April Fool's. Yeah, yeah, May Fool's. <laughs> been a little bit late. Yeah, it was, it was depressing is the word. But uh, it's warm now. Everything's good. So um, anyway, hey, you know, I know we don't do car spotting every time and you know, it's gotta be something interesting. Well, Stefan, I saw something interesting. This was just uh, downtown Boise. It was a uh, early nineties Toyota chaser. So this is obviously JDM, which stands for Japan. Japanese domestic. Oh, there you go. Japanese. Yeah. yeah Japanese domestic market. And uh, it was just surprising. And Stefan, you know, if you bring in a like a Skyline GTR from the '90s, uh, or you know, you see a lot of these Mitsubishi Delicas, diesel kind of, it's like that that whole Overlander thing we were talking about, van life, right hand drive diesel, smaller than a Sprinter. All that makes sense to me, but why bring over a car that's essentially a chaser? I mean, I know it's it's not front wheel drive like a Camry, but this is a white car nothing like drifter about it nothing cool about it it was like a camry except it's right wheel right hand drive why would what the hell i i have no idea anybody would bring that here unless they plan to you know convert to a drift car because it's real drive but think of the cost of getting that here but you know everybody has their kind of dream car you know and hey man that's what they want to spend the money on but you know, the ultimate gray market cars, you know, were the Porsche 959s, you know, but yes. uh, a Toyota Chaser, that, yeah, that's kind of bizarre. But, you know, you see, I'll tell you, Boise, even when I was up there, there are some interesting vehicles in Boise, a lot of California money, a lot of just cool cars up there. Yeah, it's a combination of California money and Oregon pot. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I imagine that Chaser, maybe the dude is heavily hit in the pot or something but that's was, i don't know why that would even be a cult car that's just a strange one it was white it had hubcaps it was you know dirty the inside was dirty this is not something where the guy's like oh i'm gonna keep this nice and then turn it into a drift car this was like looking like a corolla you'd see a 25 year old corolla you'd see on the side of the road you know there's stuff in the back it just was it was uh surprisingly average you know vanilla I, i'm sure i'm the only one that noticed it because it just sits there and is as as vanilla and blends in as much as any vehicle you you could ever imagine you know, you GTR, know the only thing i'm gonna say all i'm gonna say is hopefully this was just some military guy 
that had been stationed overseas and got to bring a car back and he bought it over there. He's like, Hey, they'll ship it home for free. Why not? I mean, otherwise I hope that's the only reason somebody went to the expense on the U S government bill to get that thing over here. Cause why otherwise would you pay? I don't even know what it would cost to bring a car. So hopefully, hopefully that's the real story. Yeah. I think that's a a $2,000 car and it probably costs them three or more thousand dollars to bring it over. That would be a car that it would not surprise me to see on the manifest of the Felicity Ace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Felicity Ace, the, the, the gift that keeps on giving. I've, I've got something for that a little bit later on as well. We're going to come, okay. come back to the Felicity Ace. Yeah. Hey, actually, it did remind me that there is one phenomenon that's probably worth mentioning, and that is that, you know, uh, Japan is, a, is a, a small country of 126 million people, and they have this car industry that is much bigger than the car industry in China. So uh, it's a valuable thing. And uh, one thing that's interesting is in order to support their industry, the way the laws are and that kind of thing, it's advantageous for Japanese uh, citizens to buy a new car about every three years or four years. So they generally have new cars. And because they discourage used cars, they take a lot of their used cars, you know, five, six, seven years old, and they, they get rid of them. And they don't crush them. They actually say, it's like, all right, who wants these? Well, they drive in the left side of the road in New Zealand and Australia too, two places where they do not have an auto industry. Australia, as you know, used to, but now they don't. So especially New Zealand and now Australia, now that they stopped building their own cars, they snap up these used Japanese cars. So 10-year-old Japanese cars, you'll, you'll see more of them in New Zealand and Australia than you will in Japan. No, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. So presumably this one was in New Zealand and someone brought it over. But yeah, it's like a 1993 Toyota Chaser. You know, I've never, never seen one in, in real life. So uh, anyway, it was interesting. And hey, oh, speaking of interesting, Stefan, the Kentucky Derby this year was an amazing race. You know, I know you saw it. It's just incredible. And I, I, I've been watching the Derby for as long as I can remember, I've never seen a finish like this. This horse, rich strike, and I'm watching it, and it, it never entered my mind that someone that or a horse that far back could win. And he won. It was incredible, oh, it, and it it, re- it reminded me of something I wanted to mention because I know you remember this: the 1983 Long Beach Grand Prix, and John Watson started 22nd on the grid and won the damn race. Yeah, that's amazing that he came back from that far back. Um, but yeah, Rich Strike, I mean, I'm still waiting for that horse to pop positive on something. You know, I mean, the guy was beating the hell out of the horse. And then what I loved is after the horse won, he was like, you know, like, take this bitch and biting the horse next to him. I mean, it was, it was pretty funny to watch. He was, that horse was fired up. So yeah, that was a great race. He, he hit the DRS. It, look, <laughs> yeah. It was like the DRS. It was weird. He just all of a sudden he just takes <laughs> off. And it was really, really weird. It's a badass. And you know, it's a reminder in life that anybody can have a bad day, anybody can have a good day. And uh it's why they it's why they run the race because hell, somebody could just have a really good day. It was really hard to watch any kind of Grand Prix race in 1983. So I read about the 1983 Long Beach Grand Prix in Auto Week, and I remember reading about it and just be done like how did this happen you know long beach as you know is is a street race it's more difficult to pass 
I read up on it again, Stefan, because think about it. There is no way someone 22nd in the grid would have any chance of winning a race today. No, absolutely not. It's unthinkable. Yeah, yeah the only equalizer sometimes that allows people to come from the back is rain. Yeah, 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 yeah. They call racing. You know, the rain is the great equalizer. That then it really is. It's not the machine. It's the man. And how how you know how far can he reach down there to grab a pair in the rain? So yeah, the famously uh, early '80s. It would have been '84ish, but um, you know Senna had this incredible run. He had one at Donington that's famous, but he had another one at Monaco where he was going to win the race. And they 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 stopped the race just before he was going to pass Alan Prost, and they of gave they went to Alan Prost. He yeah. was, and they were not in the same team. Uh, he may have been with Tolman, Senna. He may have been with Tolman. I think he was he, with Tolman. Yeah, and he so he had this crap car, and he's passing everybody, and he's about to win the damn race. Yes, that's where pure talent rises to the top. Kind of remember, and then two thousand one at Canada with Jensen Button. Um, oh one yes, of the long one of the longest races in F one history, like four hours and over four hours, like more than like five safety car deployments. No, he got hit like twice. He had six pit stops. I looked this up, a drive-through penalty, and then it started to rain. He chased down everybody, and then he was up on Vettel's tail, and Vettel ran wide in the second corner on the last lap, opening the door, and boom, button wins Canada. That's, that's an amazing race to watch as well. Yeah, there was another. Yeah, that, thanks for, yeah, that's a, that was an amazing one. I'd forgotten. And then, of course, there was a mid 80s uh, race in Monaco where like three cars finished or something like that. Ricardo Patrese won. It was the craziest finish. If you YouTube crazy, if you literally go to YouTube and type in craziest F1 finish ever, that's the race that comes up. Monaco in the rain, less rain. So they all had had, uh, dry tires, and that was the problem. Yeah, those are good. I I like it when it rains in F1 because you really get to see the driver who's got the most mojo who's the bravest guy out there it's always yeah. a good thing in my mind when it rains in f1 yeah yeah you tend to have younger drivers who haven't proven themselves saying okay here's my chance and the older drivers who have more to lose tend to hold back a little bit so it's that dynamic too the older driver is like yeah it's not worth it younger drivers like here's my shot so all of a sudden you have this uh this dynamic where uh the, the younger guys go a lot faster than they would have gone and the older guys pull back and you have an opportunity so it's 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 very very cool. Anyway, John Watson uh, recently, I think last week, turned seventy five years old, and boy, uh, it was amazing. He was driving a McLaren twenty second from the grid, and uh, apparently uh, they just didn't uh, qualify well, but they were much better in the race. So they, everyone knew he was going to do better, but he just when he was interviewed later, he said, "I just had it that day." Uh, oh, by the way, he had to pass his teammate to win. A uh, teammate was a certain. Nicky Lauda. So he just had his day again, just like uh, Rich Strike and the uh, the Kentucky Derby. Unbelievable. So, hey, let's switch gears and something that I really want to talk about it for a long time. And I know you have too, Stefan, is car names. And and we're going to this transition to electric cars. And I thought let's talk about old car names and then maybe some new car names. But car names, you know, good, bad, ugly, weird. And just kind of bounce us back and forth because 
so many brands, so many cars over the years, and there have been some good, bad, ugly, and weird names. And let me, I'll go first. I'll go just with some good ones. I'll start with one that I think is genius, Lexus. You know, Toyota wants to make this luxury brand, and then they did, and they they called it Lexus. They actually got sued by Lexus Nexus, the uh, the news uh, data service. But Lexus, it, it you know, it's a brand new name, and somehow, if you hear it, it sounds luxurious. It kind of rolls off the tongue. I mean, it sounds nice and good, but it also sounds luxurious. It's not a long name. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have a harsh sound. You know, Mercedes was like, eh, we're going to have this uh, super luxury uh, brand above Mercedes. going to be called Maybach. Well, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but Lexus does. Yeah. And then their first car, the legend, and it really was. That was uh, we, we, Acura. <laughs> Acura. What am I thinking? Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, the LS400. The, the LS the LS I agree. That sounds good. Yeah. And, and it made a lot more sense than Infinity, which came out at the same time, like Infinity to Infinity and beyond. Yeah. Um, and they misspelled it intentionally, you know, with the eye. It just was weird. But Lexus was a good name. Actually, you mentioned Legend. I think Legend is a great name. And they replaced it by uh, RS, which is like, ugh, it's just boring. When was the last time you saw one of those on the road? No, RL. I, it was the RL. RL. Okay. I, I don't, they didn't sell well. I honestly, Stefan, the legend at the time looked decent, especially the coupe when I owned one, it looked good, but the RL just looked so boring and it, it blended into the, into the scenery. Uh, I can't remember last time I saw one, but maybe one drove by me. I just didn't notice because it was so boring, but a couple other good names, Civic and Accord. Yeah, those are good names. I was thinking, you know, when you mentioned EV cars coming up and all this, how about, remember the first general motors car that was everything but its name the impact the general motors impact ev electric vehicle it didn't all, last they all got long. crushed <laughs> they got crushed no it was not an impact at all yeah um, it was yeah. weird because they they only leased them you, you were not allowed to buy one and once the lease was up if you wanted to to keep it the, they would like hunt you down take it back and then they crushed them all just strange. I, I don't understand that. It was weird. But. Hey, you know, one other good one that I've never believe me. I I looked when this happened because nobody wrote about this. This is in the 90s. And I thought, how is no one talking about this? So Audi was really, you know, rose from the ashes in the 80s, thanks to the incredible energy and genius of, of their. CEO back in the 80s, uh, Ferdinand Pieck, who took over Volkswagen in 1993, the whole group. Anyway, Audi rose with Quattro, very good cars, excellent you know, engineering and that kind of thing. They really became something. And by the 90s, they were poised to make that next big step. And they made it in 1995 with the Audi A4. And then, you know, they changed their names at that point and everything went, it used to be the 80 and the 90 and the 100. It went to A4, A6, A8. And why did no one notice? Ferdinand Pieck famously said when he took over Volkswagen, our intention is for Volkswagen to compete with Mercedes and Audi to compete with BMW. Why did no one notice or release anything by the fact that every Audi sedan, and this has been true ever since then, is 
the BMW name plus one. So the A4 competes with the three series. It's like one better. The six compares with the five series, one better. It's like a kind of a fuck you to BMW. And I, I think it worked. Now that you mention it, that's a great pickup. I didn't know that. Did you read that? You came up with that on your own? No, no. It happened. And I was waiting for someone to say something like literally every single Audi is the BMW plus one. They're competing with BMW. Why didn't anyone say, wow, it's kind of cool that they like, they like said, yeah, we're, we're one better than you in every single one of your cars. And no one mentioned it. I, I, I was waiting for it. No, that's cool. Very good pickup, dude. You know, all so, right, I got right, a, so, I got a I got a bad one for you. Stephane, all right, let's hear it. And, let's hear it. It's a, a good car. I've got name. a bunch of bad ones. All yeah, right, go ahead. I, go I, ahead. I, let's hear it. All right, Toyota Hilux. All right, it's their oh. cheapest fucking truck. It costs like no money. If you get you get hit by a bicycle, you get hurt. And it's high lux. There's nothing high lux about it. It's like the least luxurious vehicle on the road. And it's a desert rat. Yeah, I mean it's an off-roading desert rat. The high, you know, never. I mean, it's everybody talks about the Hilux, and I never thought about the name. But you're right; it, it doesn't make any sense for the name. It's the, it's like the opposite. <laughs> it's, the it's low lux. It's the low lux. Actually, you can call it no lux. All right, let me <laughs> right, hear some. So, your, let me hear some. All right, of your so bad, bad names, man. So as a surgeon, how about the Ford Probe? You know, I did way too much probing in my surgical career. You know, when I think of Ford Probe, it's like L. Ron Hubbard and the aliens coming down, you know, you know, the people that got probed by the aliens. That just was what a loser name the probe was. It was a uh, terrible name. Okay. And of course, they uh, dropped it. But it was, you know, they, they were going to replace the Mustang with the probe. So it was going to be a front wheel drive Mustang. And uh, by the way, a total. Oh, well, let's just Total sacrilege, unlike making a four-door electric Mustang. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> whatever but yeah, the yeah. probe was, I think they had to come up with the name real quick. And it's a bad name. It's a bad name. And then you know, Chevy, Chevy came out with one about the same time as bad, the Citation. Remember that loser car, two-door, it came in a hatchback. I mean, you know, think about it. When you're driving a car, what's the last thing you want to get? A Citation. A, a Citation. <laughs> I mean, it's so, the, it, the, the ad said it was the first Chevy of the eighties and, and there was the X car, that whole, that whole line of cars, I think was the major contributor to GM dying. They were so bad. They were, and bad. they were advertised and, and yeah, I actually thought the Dean was okay. I never really made that connection. You made a citation, but yeah, not a good yeah. name. You know, a funny name, but was it a terrible name too back then from AMC was the gremlin. I mean, yes. you name in a car, the gremlin, you know, which brings me to the famous, the famous commercial back then, which would not go over well today, but you know, the, the lady pulls up to the gas station back then for listeners, you know, longer, younger listeners, when you went to the gas station, people actually filled the car for you. It was full service. They checked the oil, taught, looked at your tires, did all that while they filmed the car. And so she drives up in a gremlin, which is this hatchback from AMC. And he, he goes, Hey lady. What happened to the rest of your car? You know, because it, it's, kind of, it's like it got literally chopped off at the back. Um, but yeah, the AMC Gremlin. That was yeah, a, it was the know. the Hornet with the back just sliced off. Hey, ladies, off. <laughs> I didn't know that. The rest of your car, yeah, it's a great commercial. a great commercial. Another funny name from back then, the Mitsubishi Mirage. It was one of the ugliest little four-door cars ever brought to America by a you know, Japanese manufacturer. 
I mean, a mirage is something that you think is actually, you know, kind of an image of something that you want or desire. But in mirage, the Mitsubishi Mirage was not something anybody would desire. No, that's that's really <laughs> funny. Famously, Mitsubishi in the same era came out with the uh, the sports oh. car. The you know what I'm going to say, the Starion. The Starion, S-T-A-R-I-O-N, and I think it was Car and Driver that actually put in the review that they called up Mitsubishi, which is Japanese, so you know how they pronounce words, and they said, are you sure it's not the Stallion? <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, so uh, Mitsubishi I mean, I've got Starion. One, I got a better one from Mitsubishi, Steve-O. <laughs> yeah. Remember the Pajero? Yeah. P-A-J-E-R-O. Well, they had to rename it the Montero. Do you know why? No, I knew that it was the Pajero uh, outside of the U.S. I did not know why. Because Pajero in Spanish-speaking countries, that means male masturbator. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it means probe. No. But, uh, that's even worse. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Pajero. Yeah. Yeah, Pajero. So that didn't go over well in the Spanish-speaking countries. And then there's some other. Well, funny if you're going to name it that, yeah. it, it should it should at least be good looking. <laughs> yeah, and then there's some. Then there's a couple names that are just. I guess, I don't know what they were thinking, but so I love the Maserati Quattro Porto. Because Quattro Porto sounds cool, right? Okay. Yeah. It's like calling four door. It just says four door. So calling a sedan. It's, what what's what what is that? Oh, it's the four door. What's the name of the car? Four door. But just because it's Italian, it sounds cool. And and then Ferrari it sounds, did it. It sounds beautiful. It sounds it actually does sound very beautiful. cool. It does Quattro sound beautiful. Uh, yeah. yeah. But if you're in Italy, it sounds probably pretty stupid. What? But it does sound cool. Yeah, to Americans, because we're still stupid. It's like, oh, it sounds like something on an Italian menu. It's probably really delicious. Quattro <laughs> yeah, Porto. Porto. Yeah. And then, you have, and, then what, what did Ferrari do? The uh, Ferrari La, La Ferrari. Ferrari. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Come on. You know, I mean, oh, geez. And then the French did the same thing. Renault, this, look, look, car. Le car. <laughs> the car. What is that? The car. No, what's the name of the car? It is Le Car, the car, you know. So it geez. was, you know, for Le Car, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's Renault 5, you know, whatever. But Ferrari, more is expected. You know, the Enzo, yes, that's cool. The 288 yes. GTO, oh, yeah. The 250 GTO, you know, the name tells you the size of the engine. It's it's awesome. I I, I love that. But La Ferrari is just it's just weird. And and also, you know, you've got F40, F50, Enzo, La Ferrari. It's this like they're they're supercar, they're they're hypercar. You know, but they did do well. I do love Testarossa. I mean, Redhead. You know, that's for the uh, valve covers on the engine. Well, I didn't cool know that. Name. So obviously, you know, Ferraris have the the red valve uh, covers, but I didn't that that's where it came from. Yeah, the crinkle heads, the red crinkle heads. Oh, yep. I thought that was a cool name. A couple other good American names. I think Mustang was just a fabulous name for a car. Spirited new car in the sixties. Yeah, and by um, the way, same the exact same time they came with the Mustang, nineteen sixty four, nineteen sixty six Bronco. Very cool. Yep, very cool. And then of course Cobra. From Carol Shelby, what a fabulous name that was. And then Dodge followed that up with the Viper. And Corvette, I think, is just a cool name. You know, Chevy did well with that. 
And one of the English manufacturers, they had some interesting names, but one of my favorite is Silver. Before you leave, before you leave American, yeah. and I, yeah. I agree, Corvette is a, it's a made up name. It sounds good. It sounds sporty somehow. Camaro, same thing. It's yeah, Camaro is a, a good one. It's a made up name, but it just sounds cool. But you know, GM also around that same time, you know, back when GM was GM, they had really cool names like the Grand Prix, the Grand Am. Those were cool names. Bonneville. Oh yeah, that one. That's we actually had a wide track Bonneville, uh, four door back in geez, late sixties. It was a gigantic vehicle. Yeah, and it just it just really really cool and good names. So yeah, you got any other names, Steve? I'm gonna save my best one for last. All right. Yeah, I got some. Well, I'm gonna go with some bad again, and um, I'm gonna go with Infinity, and it's both Infinity and Cadillac, and. They decided we're not going to have names anymore. Now, now, Infinity didn't. They had the G this and the, the Q45 and, and that kind of thing. But at least you know what a Q was. That was their top sedan. The M was a sedan below that. The G was the, the sedan before that or below that. The J was midsize. They, they all kind of made sense. And then they changed it to Q and then different numbers. I cannot tell you which Q is which. And, I, and of course... Now it's all basically SUVs and it's QX, but it's the same problem. QX30, QX50, QX70, QX80. I mean, I have to really think to say which one is that. Same with Cadillac, CT4, CT5. Those are the sedans. Okay. It doesn't, I can't connect it to something. You know, BMW has 535i, 540i. It makes sense. It's the midsize sedan. And these new number or the new alpha Romero alpha numeric names from Infinity and Cadillac I find very confusing. And that's not what a name is supposed to be. You're supposed to say, I know what a Corvette is, I know what a Grand P is, I know what a different car is. So that's just really annoying. I know GM's fixing it with the Cadillac lyric, but no, I don't like it. Yeah, I agree with you. I I couldn't even tell you the name of the Cadillac sedans. I mean. You're right. Not only did the name, it doesn't interest me. It's how do I, there's nothing that identifies that vehicle with that name. And I've lost track of the Cadillacs. And it's better when it was the DeVille, you know, they, when they had the nice names. Yeah. You knew what a Coupe DeVille was, you know, what a Sinan DeVille was, you know, what Eldorado was. And it made sense. And the same with, with uh, Chevy, Malibu, Impala, you you knew what they were. And it's just, it's just hard to connect the visual of a car with those alphanumeric codes. Um, also weird is Volkswagen, the Touareg, Tiguan, Touran. Oh, that's weird. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't like those. Anything that anything that you can't figure out how to pronounce. Yeah. All right, Steve, are you ready for my favorite? For before you, you get others? there, before you All get right. there, codes. Everyone talks about E46 M3. I do it myself. 997, 911, 993, Porsche 911. The all-time classic Mercedes, the R107 SL. The codes, ugh, it's just so hard. So Porsche guys don't know the Porsche codes, but if you want to know all of them, Mercedes, Porsche, Audi, you, you can't, and it's just too hard. So the codes, I don't like. I know I use them, but it's it's annoying. And And then I think it's funny that there's... There's two enthusiast R32s. One is a Nissan GTR to Skyline, and the other is the the classic Volkswagen. So I think it's funny that there are cults 
around two different R thirty two. So that's all I got about names. I, you know, yes, it's, it's, Steve, it's so be, much. Steve, so much. Yeah, it'd be like me saying, "Yeah, I've got an S five fifty Mustang." Yeah, that's the code. I mean, but you know, I didn't know that. Is that the code for the engine or the car? It's the body style, the car. Okay, that's yeah. the S five fifty. So it's like you, but you're right. It's like we in America aren't that hooked up on on the codes of the different models. And for me, and you know, it's like your BMW M3 is the last V8. I know that. And then before that was the straight six M3. Yeah. But and and knowing the codes, I just yeah, it just boom. It's like there ain't All enough. Right. Room All right. This is before you get to yours. This is right. nerdy code. I saw, you know, I have the E92, the last V8 M3, I have a 2013. I saw, I didn't see it in real life, but I saw it in the internet, a picture of my car and the license plate said last S65. So S65, if you're a car, are you thinking that's an S-class Mercedes with a, with a V12? No, it's also the code for that V8 engine. So this guy had, just like I do, the last S65 engine before they went over to the, the turbo uh, inline six, which is the next generation uh, M3. Nerdy. Yeah, that is nerdy. All right, you ready for my last oh, one? I, I cannot <laughs> wait, Stefan. <laughs> okay, I'm returning to our very famous, what's our never? Oh, Felicity Ace, the stripper so, name. Okay, the, the stripper I, name. So the name cargo of the car, that went, the car that went down. So the Felicity, our our favorite Felicity Ace stripper went down with a Hummer. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh, there was a Hummer on there. No, but a stripper Felicity Ace and a Hummer. <laughs> figure out. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. All right, listeners, you can figure that one out on your own. That. <laughs> oh mercy! You better relabel this episode. Uh, explicit. Uh, explicit. Yes. Yes. I will. <laughs> Only if you think that way. So, but all right. <laughs> I thought that All was right. pretty good. I didn't see All right, that. Dude, one. You, what's next, dude? We can do two things. We can either do uh, safety if you want to do that, or we could do features from the past. I've got a little bit on safety. I've got a little bit about we've been talking about cars and older cars versus the new cars with the names. I just want to, I've got something just brief we'll talk about. Team yeah, drivers. sure. And, be- and before I, we later do that, on, I'll do a deep ahead. dive. Yeah, let's yeah. do some features. Yeah. Oh, you want to do features first? Yeah, let's do some features from okay. the past. Bef- before we do that, just a quick note to our uh, our listeners who have been great at getting back with us. If you have any names you think are funny or weird or you know good or bad, just share them. Um, you know, it's it, it's a fun topic. Like Eustafan, once I kind of dug into it and also went back to my memory vault, a lot of stuff kind of came forward that I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, it's like, like the Hilux, it just, it kind of came to me. So it's fun to think about these names and, and there's a lot there. So again, let us know if you have anything, you know, that kind of strikes you. So anyway, I'll start with the, the feature, Stefan, because everything is changing now. We're going to electric and uh, we are only just now starting to see the changes that electricity and battery electric fields and autonomy are going to bring. You know, now everything is a screen. We're going to have probably bigger screens and more screens, stuff like, you know, rear view mirror that's a camera, that kind of thing. You know, the, the, the car is being transformed. And I thought there's some cool stuff from the past that we need to talk about before it's dead and everyone forgets. 
So for older older listeners, you're gonna you're gonna like this because a lot of this is kind of fun. And I thought of it because something came up on Instagram and it showed a picture of a little button in the floor of a car. Oh yeah, the left side, and it said, "Who knows what this is?" And we knew we, we know exactly what that is. And it's Stefan. Tell tell our listeners it, it was a it was a button it, it, you pushed with your foot. Uh, yeah, left foot up on the left side where you're um, now on you know sports cars where you have a left foot rest pedal, but the floor mounted right. dimmer switch, so you could click your high beams on and off with your foot. Yes, I love that switch. I love that switch. It and was it had a very satisfying click. I mean. Yeah. I remember when they switched over to, you know, having it be, you know, a stock and you push the stock forward on the left side uh, off the steering column. And, and I'm like, oh, it's pretty nice. But I really missed the foot button. That was great. Yeah. I thought the foot button was great. So something else, here's something I missed. Is I missed more than the four mounted dimmer switch. I miss a five speed transmission. Yes. You know, my Mustang's got a six-speed. Your Porsche has a seven-speed. It's too many damn gears. And a close ratio of four-speed with a true fifth gear is the ultimate transmission. And I think it was Jerry Seinfeld on the um, Spikes Car Radio. He taught, They were talking about the GT3 Touring, and Jerry was like, that's just too many gears. I, I don't want them. That's too many gears. Seven gears. I think the GT3 is coming with six versus seven. Yeah, it was, he was talking about the Sport Classic. The Sport Classic, that's right. I'm sorry. And he said that. And I said, you know what? Absolutely. I, I find myself going from third to six. And then sometimes I think I'm going to six. And I hit, it's like, no, just give me a four speed with a true five fifth gear overdrive. That is a beauty. And that's what I'm putting in my Cobra as a, as a five speed. But I think that is one of the transmit. I missed that feature. And we're we're going to lose the stick shift cars anyway, but I wish somebody would just put a five speed. Just screw it. Just put a five speed. Screw the EPA and all that. Just put a five speed in your last hurrah internal combustion engine sports car. Yeah, my uh, nine nine two does have a seven speed, and it's annoying. My F eighty M three had a six speed, and I found it on the highway. I'm going 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, and it's like 3,500, 4,000 RPMs. It just drones and is loud. And uh, with a seven-speed, when you're going 80 miles an hour and it's like 2,000 RPMs, it's very nice. I like it. It's quieter. And you know, you still have the sportiness of the other gears. Having said that, oh my gosh, I absolutely get lost. I've been driving manual transmissions since, uh, as you know, famously, I was 11. And, <laughs> yeah. When you do- and I'm good hey, at son, manual take transmissions. Your keys. I'm good at manual transmission, but I get lost and I will go third to, or I, I think I'm in third. I ended up in fifth, or I think I'm going to fourth and ends up being second. It's too many gears and I do get lost. I don't like it. I had a five, I've had ooh, five speeds. Well, my, I had a 240 Z in the 70s that was four speed. I like that. And then my GTI, which was my first new car, was five speed. I loved it. Yeah, I think five is the perfect number. And back in the day, the fifth gear was a truly overdrive gear. Yeah, yes. it was. It was. There was a gear. It was a big jump from fourth to fifth, and because it was close ratio on the first four speeds, wind it out. You could you know handle it in the corners, whatever gear you wanted. Now the gears are so tall. I know it has to do with EPA and all that, but God, I just I would love to swap my transmission out in the Mustang for a five speed. I just with a true overdrive, it would make that car so much more enjoyable. 
I love yeah. it already, but I, I'm so six gears, seven gears, forget that. Yeah, four is, five is four is not enough. Six is too many. Seven is way too many. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, yeah. And don't bring, bring back the British Leyland fifth gear little overdrive slide button on the shifter. No, that no. was a complete. That was terrible. No, and and it, yeah, it's the way it should be. So all right, all right. Steve. What yeah. other feature do you miss? Well, I got one that you, I don't, you, you miss don't miss that I think is stupid, yeah. and yeah. I we thought it was normal growing up. We thought it was absolutely normal to have two keys. You had one key to start the car and one car, one key for the trunk. What? That was so stupid. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I remember when I got my Honda, it had one key, and I was like, "This is this is this is amazing." And yeah, who who thought? Why would you need two keys? Well, you know, I guess the I perhaps maybe do you think Steve-O, because some of the cars. They had one for the ignition and one for the gas cap and the trunk, or does that have, no. not how it worked? No, okay, no, wasn't that this, way. They right. had, you know, like in the sixties, where no one, you know, the the key for the gas cap happened in the mid seventies when we had the gas the crisis. crisis, and all of a sudden, yeah, so people would siphon gas and steal gas. So all of a sudden, everyone, you know, there were two stealing phenomena that happened in our lifetime that were a big deal. The seventies, it was stealing gas, and, and people would siphon gas out of gas tanks, and that led to wholesale having of a, a key on your on your gas cap and the second phenomenon was in the 80s stealing radios and that led to the phenomenon where you had really nice cars in cities with a little paper piece of paper in the back window that said no radio so they wouldn't break oh, yeah. the window so no the key was strictly for the trunk and i i guess it makes sense if you if you do you know if you valet your car you you give the valet one key but you don't value the car that much and how many people maybe just don't have something valuable in the trunk. I got my, my GTI and I had the same thought you did. I mean, it was 84 and I had one key. I'm like, wow, one key. Well, that's weird. Yeah. That's so cool. And then you mentioned gas caps. I do miss the gas caps of the old days, the fillers. Yes. So they put them behind the license. You'd, you'd fold down your license plate. And then some of them had tail lights. Like yep. your parking light would flip over. They they really went through a phase where they were trying to hide those in the coolest way. And I thought that was, those were really cool features. The gas cap behind uh, the, the, the taillight was a Cadillac thing in the late, I think late fifties, but it was very standard in the sixties into the seventies to have the gas cap behind the license plate in the rear. I thought it was cool. I just, just you fold it down. It's like almost James Bond. Yeah, it was really cool. All right, so other things. Let's see things that I, I. How about we? I don't miss from then. The power antenna. Those damn things broke all the time. You went to a car wash. You know, it, if you didn't turn your radio off, it'd snap off. You pull into the garage, it'd snap off. And the power antennas that went up and down, they lasted about two weeks at the most. Those were stupid. Um, just give me a fixed antenna I could take on and off. Yeah, but of course, the reason that they did that was that fixed antennas would get broken in yeah. uh, in car washes or stolen. They get broken off, and then people use them as as weapons or something. So, yeah, there was a reason for that. But um, boy, they started in the late '80s uh, putting the antenna into the windshields, and once they started doing that, that was great. Now, of course, they're a little button on the on the the roof, a little kind the of shark thing fin. in the roof. Yeah, yeah. A shark fin. Shark fin. But yeah, that was that was a weird moment. And having said all that, Stefan, when I first saw 
a power antenna, I'm like, wow, that's cool. It's cool until you own one and it breaks, <laughs> and you try to, re- then you have to, you have to like remove the entire fender to get to the motor. We're speaking. Of, how about T tops, man? Screaming Chicken Trans Am or a 300 ZX with T tops? I don't miss T tops. They were just. I never had a car with them. They were heavy. They were ridiculous. They leaked. They leaked. Um, yeah. They leaked terribly. And because uh, cars back then had so much cow shake and they twisted, they weren't stiff. But the T-top was just not a good idea. Yeah, they, they were popular. There was a, a moment in the early 70s where everyone was, I thought it was funny at the time. They said, oh, we're not going to make convertibles because they're going to be outlawed. And I remember thinking, how do you know? And of course, they never were outlawed. So it was just weird. And, and I think 1974-ish was when everyone was like, all right, this is the last of the convertibles. So I think the T-top was an answer to that to say, all right, you, you don't, it's not a convertible, but it gives you, you know, air and you can, and sunshine and that kind of stuff. And as you alluded to, it doesn't affect the rigidity of the car. It keeps some stiffness. Your roof on your car is like the roof on your house. It is never a good idea to cut a hole into it for anything. Yeah. Some, yeah. You know, it, it, it's just not a good idea. It's just, it's a bad idea all around. Yeah. What are they? The solar, whatever. What are the sun things? The that sunlight they put up in sunlight, your bathroom. Yeah. They all leak. No, yeah. they yeah. always like it's terrible. And, it's it's yep. a bad idea. And the T-tops are just like that. A sunroof, you know, and, and older cars, they, people would cut their roofs and put an aftermarket sunroof in. Was yes. ASC was a company, I think, that did that, started that. And American like, Sunroof no, Company. I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, it didn't do it. I didn't do it to my aunt. That was the last thing I wanted. Yeah, this is one thing we totally agree on. We're not interested in sunroofs, and I don't, I don't have a sunroof car now, and I'm not interested. By the way, the whole T-top era, when I was looking into this and thinking about it, how about this whole thing, Stefan? And in the 70s, the 70s were a time of bad taste. Houses were ugly. Movie stars were ugly. Cars Shag were carpet. ugly. All right. Yeah. Shag carpet and carpet. all this weird clothes were ugly. All right. How about this? Velour seats. Oh, velour th- seats with a Landau roof. Landau oh, roof. A roof and velour yeah. seats. Oh, my God. Just talk about sweaty balls. The velour. <laughs> you, the minute you got in those seats, it was like, oh, my God. They were so hot and awful. Yes. Yes. So I have this all in, like, I wrote this all down together. Vinyl roofs, Landau roofs, and of course, Landau roofs for listener is like a third it, of the vinyl roof. So like, the vinyl lady, roof where's is, the rest of your car? Hey, dude, where's the rest <laughs> of your roof? It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's just missing. It's just on the back half over the rear opera window. Opera window. I wrote opera that down. Windows. Oh, my God. You wrote that. I forgot. That just popped in my head. I forgot that. There's a Lincoln Mark seven eight nine or ten they all had those little round opera windows yeah <laughs> and it's it's like wait a second you put this little round window in so you can't see out i mean i okay. guess the idea is that you can't see in but it was strange yeah. and th- by the way you couldn't i don't think you could get a landau roof without an opera window yeah pro- probably not yeah I, I i can't believe you just said sweaty balls but velour seats were seats. just okay. Oh it was like God. this fake suede stuff. Oh, and you and they were like they were like six inches thick, and you sank down and you just sweated profusely. All right. Oh. So two things that I I I miss, and I actually wish they had. 
All right. One was a rare thing. Oh, I wish I wish I had it today. It was the uh, the old Pontiac GTO tack on the hood. On the hood. Oh my yeah. One of my buddies I mentioned earlier, the street had it when I was a kid. The tachometer on the hood was. I remember as a kid seeing that for the first time on a GTO. It was in O'Fallon, Illinois, and that was literally the coolest thing we had ever ever seen. I mean, people back then they put them on, they'd mount a sun tack on the steering column. And that was kind of like rednecky, kind of like drag racy, but the one on the GTO had a very nice soft curve to it. And it wasn't a circle. It was kind of more like a, like a half ellipse maybe. Yes. But yeah, that, that is the cool. That was just too cool. Yeah. It was, everybody thought it was cool and then it was gone. Whose idea was that? Was that a DeLorean uh, idea? Because no, DeLorean oh, could have been. But with the GTO. Around. Yeah. DeLorean, I think it moved up by then. Well. Maybe it was it was I'll a Pontiac you. thing. It was a you Pontiac keep, thing. You keep you, you keep talking. I'm going to Google it, Steve. I yeah. I so I think that was absolutely very cool. And I do understand you've got to put something on the hood. You have to put a hole in the hood, and you have to have this this gauge that sticks out. But everybody thought it was absolutely cool, and and it it's gone. And it's, GM it's like, designer Ron Hill. Wow, man, he does. He deserves. He deserves the Hall of Fame for that, man. What's the French word for uh, hats off? Chapeau bas. Chateau bas. Yeah. Chapeau bas. Hats. Hats. Lower your hat to Ron Hill. Cool. That's a really cool thing. Uh, I'm going to call him Ronnie because that's just absolutely cool. But yes, the the whole just attack somewhere that's not right in the middle of the gauge. And and I agree, if you put in the steering column, it does look very drag racy and I don't know, rednecky. But yeah, on the on the hood, I'd love to have that on by M3. Another one that I wish I had, and this is so long gone, it's never coming back. But Stefan, how many times do you wish you had this? A climate control with a slider temperature thing. It's a bar that sits out and you just you go. There's red and there's blue, and you can go anywhere in between for the temperature. You're not looking at a number. You're not saying it is 70 or 72. You're just getting it by feel where you like it. That was great. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. That is, and that is just so intuitive. It's like, you know, as I go to the EVs, please, Lord, keep the volume dial knob. You know, yes. don't, you know, you, it's just instinctive, I guess. Maybe the next generation won't be, but it's normal to just turn the volume up, you know, turn it up, rotate it. So leave that. But I forgot about the slider, the temperature. Yeah, my slider, Honda Accord had that. I love it. Yeah, right. You just you just kind of give a little tap here, there, and you're good to go. You're good to go. And you turn the AC on if you want. Yeah. So yeah. if you need it, you push the AC button. Right. If you need the AC to get it to that temperature. But you're right. That was the easiest way to manage the temperature in the car. Yeah, and it was, it. and now it's complicated. You got to type in the number. Um, and, yeah, and then is it which side of the car, which zone? Oh yeah, my Mustang doesn't have sync for the two sides. So if uh, I want to, if I'm by myself all the time, I, that drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Right. you know, I think just sudden, that's the temperature on both sides now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's annoying. Annoying, and, and yeah. it was so simple. And and you know, three things I want. I want that slider for the temperature i want the volume knob for the radio and i want a thermostat that you just turn it to where you want it and you let it go 
It doesn't yeah. turn on and off at different times. You don't have to type anything. You just turn, you just you rotate it to where you want. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put one more request to that, Steve. Yeah. I want the vent window, the front vent window. I miss, I absolutely love the vent window. I mean, I think they're originally designed for smokers, cars for, for air but I love, I would love to have vent windows on my truck. So I have as oh, my man. as the the number one thing I like to see come back vent windows. So explain for listeners who are like a lot of our listeners are young and uh, they have no, they've never seen one. What is all right? It? So now back in the old days, you know, imagine this: we actually had to turn a crank for the window to go up and down. So we didn't have electric windows. The door locks were the same thing, but so on the on the front passenger and the driver's side. There's a little triangular mirror at the very front corner that just had a little a lever you'd rotate and you could flip the mirror. You could flip the little window out. So going down the interstate, you could crack it open or open it all the way. And it would just, you know, it's a little bit of air blaster, but it's always a way to get fresh air coming into the vehicle. And I absolutely love vent windows. Um, I'd, I'd love to have it back again because I, I like fresh air coming in my car and it didn't doesn't make the noise that now if you have a right, you know, that you open the full window a little bit or not enough, you get this imbalance, this noise. You didn't get that with Ben windows. You could get fresh air on your side and it wasn't terribly noisy. Yeah. It was the, it didn't have the reverberations you get. Of course you get the same thing with sunroofs. If you don't open it just right. And it's annoying event window, you don't have to worry about it. And uh, it's a relic of, of the past in one uh, particular way. It was very much designed for smokers. Which yeah, I thought I, I thought Vendos were even though I, I'm not a smoker, I never have been, but it, it's something that you know brings in the right amount of air, and it's kind of cool, and it's very adjustable, and it's you know it's a ten out of ten analog. But yeah, I thought it was great. I missed that, and and uh, by the way, one thing I don't miss is every car had a uh, a cigarette lighter and an ashtray, and they usually had four ashtrays. One in each door, you know, the kind of the armrest, they would have an arm or an ashtray there. There was generally for the driver, there was an ashtray in the center console. But if you didn't have a center console, then it would be in the armrest. And then the passengers and, and then both rear doors, if you had a sedan, they had this uh, this ashtray and, you know. Or the back of the front seats, too. Would have That's an right. Ashtray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. For I rear think, passengers. Think Cat, yeah, I think Cadillacs did that. Somebody, um, yeah, ashtrays everywhere, cigarette lighters. Yeah, so you'd you'd smoke at ashtrays, and then you'd you'd flick the ashes out the vent window, and that's how you did it. So that's kind of all I have for for past features, and and I know there are more. I actually wrote down hubcaps. I don't miss them, but you know these alloy wheels or wheels that that don't have anything covered. You know, cars, even very expensive cars, even top end cars, Mercedes Cadillacs of the day had hubcaps. Yep. And to go around on the corner too fast, just like some of the old movies, they pop off and roll through the intersection. I mean, that was always something to see. It, it really did. It really did happen. People would lose hubcaps and you could drive down the road, especially there are bad potholes around the country with a big bump. You would see people would actually find hubcaps in their yards and they'd put them up against their mailbox post. Remember that? Yes. And you would see hubcaps just kind of, they kind of littered America all across, but people would put them up for, you know, come back if you're, oh, I need that hubcap. But yeah, that was yeah. days gone by. They were ubiquitous. And, and when I was, I don't know, eight or nine or 10, uh, I saved them. You know, I'd be walking around and they were, you know, all over this, this side of the road, you'd find them. So I'd saved a bunch. 
the coolest one was like a late 70s, well, probably mid mid 70s first generation Monte Carlo head car. Remember the Chevy Monte Carlo was a huge seller. It was a very popular car. Oh yeah. I mean, you had the you had the uh, Monte Carlo, the Grand Prix, the Regal and the Chrysler Cordoba. Those were the, the big two-door coupes. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't forget the best selling one. And this is a, a a reminder of how things can change and how things can change dramatically. Mid late 70s uh and into the early 80s the best selling car in america was the Oldsmobile cutlass oh yeah my buddy had one in uh, college best and it had car. velour seats yep of course. <laughs> he had a red one with red velour seats <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they had that and of course the landau roof if you want if you pay it up for it and uh just amazing you know personal personal luxury vehicle i think they're a luxury car Anyway, uh, yeah, blast from the past, and same as with the the names. If you have anything else you can think of, um, how are we doing on time? Uh, we're almost out. We just got okay. a, another minute or two, but it is funny, you know, with the names. I'm sure our younger listeners like they got oh, I got all these cool names and and you know whatever, but um, all that that past stuff. I guarantee our younger listeners like what cigarette lighters and vent windows. What are you talking about? It's a different time. Let me just give a little teaser on Teen Driver and one of the next couple episodes, we'll, I'll do a deep dive on Teen Drivers, but a lot of you may have Teen Drivers or, or once a Teen Driver, but the thing to understand that the fatal crash rate per mile driven for 16 and 19 year olds is about three times the rate for drivers 20 and over. So it, it is true that Teen Drivers kill themselves and kill their passengers at a high frequency compared to other age groups. And it's the, really that risk age group is 16 and 17. And back in 2018, 63% of deaths among passenger vehicle occupants ages 6 to 19 were drivers of the vehicle. So, I mean, it's, it, it's a big deal. So think about what kind of car do you want to put your teenage driver into to minimize your risk? And I'll talk about driver behavior and some things that you can use to modify your teenager's uh, yeah, driver. I'll just I'll jump in and say uh, I know we're going to cover this later, Stefan. So that's important. I've gotten two listener questions recently saying, "Hey, ask Stefan what's a good car for my teen." So for it used to be you don't have to answer kids, now. <laughs> you don't have to answer yeah, now, but so we're going to. I'm just going to give you a brief, uh, just a taste of it, so that yep. not a forerunner, okay? But <laughs> it used to be. <laughs> first of all, go to the insurance institute for highway safety and and. Pick a car in your price range that is a, was a top safety pick. The newer the car you can get, the more safety features you're going to get. If you get an old car, you're going to be lacking some of the safety features that may make a difference for your team. Now, it used to be we would tell you to get a sedan. But now, the as we've talked about on this show, the number of SUVs crossovers on the road has radically changed that you are at a disadvantage in a, a smaller, especially a smaller sedan, if you're in a vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle collision, because most likely you're going to be hit by something a hell of a lot bigger than you. And you know, Newton's law, mass times velocity, kinetic energy, bigger is better. So take a look at those crossovers and SUVs, things like the, the RAV4, the Mazda CX-5, the CRV, and the sedans, the quarter Civic. So just take a look at IHS picks and the newer that you can afford, the better 
you know, I'd say one absolute thing, if you're going to be getting an older vehicle is make sure that it's got side airbags. I'll talk later about why teenage drivers are like older drivers and they get, and they have a lot more side impacts than uh, other drivers. So just kind of a taste of what we'll talk about, but it'll be a good 20, 30 minute uh, deep dive discussion when we, when we take on teen drivers. Yeah, that's, it's important. Even in informal conversations I've had just with friends or people at cocktail parties or dinners, they're very curious about safety, particularly with regard to younger drivers. So, so Stefan, that's something that, like I said, we've gotten specific listener questions directed to you saying, hey, what do you think? So that's going to be a Steve, well, how about of- next, epi- next episode? Perhaps we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do a deep dive the next episode, listeners. Let's plan on so, that. So, but- something to bring you back. Absolutely. Yeah. A teaser. And, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and we, we always have a lot of fun in the show, Stefan, but sometimes these sobering lessons are the most important and it's the most important of the sh- most important part of the show, I think. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that next time. And yeah, I think we're going to turn Felicity Ace into a drinking game. That's something for listeners of our show. <laughs> we got way too much mileage, but I just can't help. It. I can't help but go back to it. Uh, between oh, Felicity Ace and, as you call it, the effing runner, the forerunner, um, it's it, it is it is funny that those are like the two touchstones of of our show. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Hi, dude. And, uh, go ahead and why don't you close us, Stefan? Because you you say that better than I do. Hey, man, like us, hit the subscribe button. Please comment. Please send us questions. And then the website is always in progress, but. We'll hopefully get more time on that. But thanks for listening. What's, what's the name of the website, Stefan? I forgot. Oh, carsoncallpodcast.com. What's that? Carsoncallpodcast.com. All right, Come beautiful. Check All it right. out. Yeah. All right, dude. That's it. Thanks. <laughs>